Welcome back to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune, and joining me for the second time on this show, he's back, Mr. Bill Squire. Bill, how's it going, dude? Uh, things are good, man. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's good to to be back on, and um, I'm excited. Next week, uh, probably, what day does this come out? Uh, Wednesday. So the, Wednesday. the next day, I'll be in Cleveland at, at Hilarities. And I'll be featuring for you. Oh, shit. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know who was on it. So, well, and that's uh, our topic is, I don't know how I'm going to th- word it, but Mormonism. And I remember you doing these bits a long time ago, uh, talking about being a Mormon. Yeah, yeah. A former I've, uh, Mormon. Let's say that. A former Mormon. Yeah, they're, they're not too uh, happy with me these days. <laughs> um, but uh, I yeah. am, yes, I was raised Mormon and uh, got out in a glorious ball of flames. <laughs> Well, well, we will get into that, uh, um, but let's first, you, you, you had just had an album out. I don't, what album is this for you? How many? This is f- number five. Number five, and what's yeah. this one called? This one's called Bam Bam. Bam Bam, and it's out right now, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, on uh, Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff? Yep, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, uh, going to do vinyl in the fall. Oh, that's uh, cool. I just wanted to, wanted to get some you know digital sales first to kind of build up that Mm-hmm. uh money to actually get the vinyl made because you know how it is it's it's a lot on you these days to everything that you know you work with the record company helium uh comedy records is the one that did my album and they're great they've been very helpful uh but still you know you gotta you gotta make them money for mm-hmm. them to spend money on you yeah that and the vinyl pressing that i've i've considered doing that with uh, the two that i have out but it's all that that's a commitment of like you almost have to be like i need to do pre-sales i need to know that you're gonna get it because i don't want to be stuck with boxes of records that are exactly because uh, they're so heavy ex- it's one yes, thing yes. like like i have uh some cds like i don't have that many cds left but i have some cds left mm-hmm. from older uh albums uh but like vinyl is a whole nother thing because they take up a lot of space and they are heavy as hell. Yeah. And, and they're uh, fragile. So it's a, yeah. it's like, a, you, you know, you damage a corner, then you're like, well, this one's done. You can't even, you know, you right. can sell it, but you don't want to give anybody the damaged one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to remind people, you were on a previous episode of the show with Mary Santora, where we did uh, probably just like a, a news roundup. And I know there was uh, there was Python <laughs> jerky. We were talking about that. That was in the news. Uh, when you were on so that is a previous episode you can check out with bill um but you you have a bunch of albums out you also have the bill squire show yeah i said do a podcast i'm also a co-host of the alan cox show mm-hmm. uh, a radio show in cleveland so like i'm i'm doing lots of things I, I keep a lot of plates spinning you're pretty busy and uh you did have incentives for this new album uh if it hits certain marks right yeah yeah so because of the you know usually if you have somewhat of a fan base, you can hit number one on like iTunes comedy and uh, Amazon comedy charts pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the hardest thing to do if you have somewhat of a, a fan base, but Bo Burnham who has more than somewhat of a fan base, he's got pretty much the entire country behind him at this point. Yeah. Uh, just released the audio version of his new special inside. Mm-hmm. So it's all the songs and that, has made it within like the top 10 of the billboard music charts 
And so that's made it very difficult for me to get to those number, you know, hit those goals of number one on the uh, Amazon and in uh, iTunes comedy charts. So uh, I've made up some incentives to try and motivate people. And, I, you know, we're pretty close, honestly, like uh, th- this is the day that the album came out that we're recording this. And so like, I'm not that far away from, from overtaking him on iTunes or Amazon. It might happen while we're doing this thing. Uh, but if it gets to number one on Amazon and iTunes comedy charts, I am going to dye my hair and cut my beard to look like Guy Fieri and then wear, uh, like flame shirts for a week. That's awesome. Like that you're only committing that to that for a week but this dude that's his wardrobe it's just flame shirts i know right <laughs> so so that's one tier of it i have three tiers uh the second one is if i get to the billboard comedy charts number one which is you know a little more difficult uh then i will uh get a brown super bowl tattoo mm-hmm. uh before they even played the game a like, single game this season i'll say like brown super bowl champs 2021 Super Bowl 56 whatever it is yeah and uh yeah so that's uh that's the next tier and then if it gets to number one overall because I'm a Browns fan from Cleveland if it gets to number one like the number one album in the country which is Mm -hmm. impossible Mm -hmm. uh but if it does I will get a Steelers tattoo uh, a tramp stamp nice a steel yeah a tramp stamp of the Steelers I was I was gonna ask if you're you were gonna get the uh, Cleveland tattoo and then fill in the date, but you you've committed to this year. I like that. Yeah, I'm 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 committed to this year, uh, and I you know I'm just going for uh, whatever you know, how, however I can to to just get people's attention, and it seems to be working. Also, it's a really funny album, so you shouldn't just buy it because it's great. Yeah, that, that's uh, a, I mean that's a, I'm really proud of this one. The problem with entertainment anymore or anything is funny is not enough. Right. Like it's like bare minimum. We're all funny. That's the problem. You know, like I got to challenge one of the Paul brothers to a boxing match to get people to pay attention (laughs) to me. And, you know, you know, the struggles of the algorithm, too, like where Mm -hmm. I I used to do really well promoting stuff on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. But then they change it around where it's like it's got to be something that grabs you know, people's attention, and even like the, the engagement that you get with your videos, like your mm-hmm. latest one, uh, as of this posting where you're, you're talking about HIPAA mm-hmm. is so funny. It's so good. Thanks, man. And, and it's so like disheartening to see, like it's doing well, but it should mm-hmm. be like seen by a lot more people. Well, it's like, you can see, check the numbers on Facebook versus a Twitter and like, yeah. it's so, and Facebook, once they, like with to even to monetize they want a certain length of video mm-hmm. and then it's then they don't want like a controversial type top which i i understand that but it's like then at, at, at the end of the day then they're like oh you can give us some money and we'll we'll push it you know yeah, exactly like it's it it sucks but it is what it is you know mm-hmm. uh you were talking about tram stamps. Uh, my favorite tram stamp that I've ever seen is was a guy from Cleveland, and I don't remember his name, but it was a comic, and he had a tramp stamp, and it just said uh, "Hail Satan" <laughs> on the tramp stamp. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it was he showed it to everybody uh, at the show unsolicited. He goes, "Hey, check this out," and he pulled down his pants, and it was "Hail Satan." So that's a story that I've I've never forgotten. But um, so. 
we can we can jump into you being a former Mormon because when I heard you do those jokes, um, I was intrigued again because you don't you know I'm a I'm a, a former Catholic and you meet uh, primarily Christians in the U.S. and I was looking up the numbers. I guess there's 16 million Mormons in the U.S. So you don't meet a lot of of uh, Mormons. So you want to jump in and and say how you were uh, you know. Did you, did you grow up with being a Mormon, you know? Um, yeah, I grew up like we were uh, very much like raised in it. Like my, my family goes back pretty far with it, especially on my dad's side. My dad's side is like, you know, they're they're not OG, but it started in like upstate New York. But they joined in like the 1800s. And then, you know, they're like a legacy family for the yeah. for the the Mormon church. And so. It's something that I always grew up with, like thought it was real regular because that's mm-hmm. all I knew. And, uh, you know, then you you realize, oh, man, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here. And it's not it's not as culty as people think. It's just very like they they have their tactics mm-hmm. for sure to like. Put this like. You know, it's it's church first over everything, not even God first, but church first is mm-hmm. what it feels like now that I have some hindsight. Yeah, and that that's an odd thing is, you know, usually it's God first and then everything else, but there's you're saying church first, which is, you know, uh that feels like you can control God. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Well, because the, they're trying to sell it so hard as God's church mm-hmm. so that the church is infallible because yeah. it's you know, it's his church. Like they 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 called it the restored church of Jesus Christ. Like mm-hmm. it was his church that he established when he was here and then it fell into uh, what they called the apostasy. And that's what the Catholic church is. It's, it's a version of Jesus's church, but it lost some of the uh, pillars of uh, truth that, that hold it up. So when you were told this, it almost gives you a sense of pride where you're like, Oh, I'm in the true church. Like Mm -hmm. I'm in the church that was gone and is now back. This is amazing. Like you, you, get you buy into that a little bit and then as you get a little bit older you go oh okay i see what they're you know it's it's um what's that called the the countries do it all the time uh like a patriotism patriotism but like the indoctrination indoctrination uh propaganda it's very propaganda yeah yeah Yeah, very very rarely do you uh, encounter a religion that's like, you know what? So these other ones are right too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually uh, it's marketed as the one true religion. Right. You know, the Mormonism, I was thinking is a very unique, uh, a uniquely American thing. Right. Cause it started in, in upstate New York. Right. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely like the American uh catholicism basically yeah because you've got you've got scientology which i believe was started here too but then it's it's weird when you think of the things that are american you've got uh stand-up pro wrestling (laughs) jazz maybe and i I could be corrected on all of those and then mormonism and scientology i'm sure there's more but those are the five things that come to mind yeah i mean so one thing that people don't understand about mormonism is it is a christian religion like it is jesus based in yeah. Jesus driven, it's just a like new version of it where if if you listen to, you know, there, there's a, a real deep dive on uh, 
the last podcast on the left, if you really want to get into some of the, the uh, weird parts of the Mormon religion and mm-hmm. uh, Joseph Smith and establishing it, like it's, it's pretty hilarious, honestly, because he was just a failed magician that uh-huh. was like a Mason, like a, in the, a Freemason that was like a con artist. And he, he started his own church and it worked and it made him a bunch of money mm-hmm. and it got him to in a spot where he could, you know, have sex with 14 year old girls, which was really important to him. Yeah. You all know who, who hasn't wanted to have, no, I'm just, uh, <laughs> please cut that. I'm the guy editing and I won't cut it. But, uh, and that, that's a th- also something with like uh, L. Ron Hubbard. It was a science, you know, he's a science fiction writer. And then he found, he finds this, re- you know, starts his religion. And it's weird. You can go to a truck stop and f- see the L. Ron Hubbard audio books. Mm-hmm. And like the first time I saw it, I was like, is that the same dude? And it is. So it's just very weird, especially with, you know, Scientology was like, oh, we know this guy made up stories. Uh, for a living and then now we're just like oh yeah that that's our you know right. like that's our religion um it but it is it's weird because you know the biggest exposure i've had to mormonism is south park you, you watch the episodes where they're like explaining how it started and you're like man who who would believe in this but the, but then it's also you know a, when i was a kid then you would just go to catholic church where it's like this thing's weird but this thing over here that i've known for my whole life that's not weird at all right and it's also one of those things too where you have to remember the age that this was started in like people didn't know a lot of things so Mm -hmm. charisma could carry you very far yeah you know if i mean you look at the the cult leaders when cults were kind of popping up in the 70s you know those, those were very charismatic men that were guiding people. And it's the same thing back then where it was just about this charisma and this, you know, just a willingness to be a part of something. So you, mm-hmm. you, you, you become a part of something and that's the indoctrination part where you, you go, okay, so if you're going to be a part of this, let, I'm just letting you know, because it's true, people are, there's going to be forces working against us. Mm-hmm. And those forces are Satan. So now that you're part of the good guys, there's going to be all these people coming at you telling you you're not part of the good guys. Mm-hmm. And so that builds people, you know, it, it, it gets people worked up and they, they have to fight for what they believe in. And, and before you know it, you have these very loyal members that are willing to die and travel the world and do and, and give you your, their wives to the leader all in the name of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I remember in college I was required to take a Christianity class, which was taught by a Jewish dude. Who I was like, well, this is cool because I'll get a different perspective. And he, one of the elements he said of of religion was that of the us versus them type thing, where it's like uh, you go, you know, Mormons go to door to door, and you know, or, or trying to recruit people and you're going to get some people that you backlash and get out, you know, I don't believe what you believe. And then, you know, you get that, uh, the backlash and then you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to double down on what I believe. Cause that makes my faith stronger. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, people still do that to this day where, you know, I think there might be a few examples of that in our modern society where people, want to double down on things that they believe in though, even though they know they're probably wrong, 
mm-hmm. because it makes them feel like it's in, they're important and they're part mm-hmm. of something. That's the other thing is the church, you know, when you say the church is it's a building, but it's also it's more so a community. Yes. And it's like if if the thing that you believe is wrong or, you know, has been been proven wrong or immoral, you still like, you know, I want to go see my friends. Mm-hmm. I want to go see the people that I love. And because outside of this, what do I have? Right. And it, you know? yeah, that that social aspect of it is so such a large part. And it's one of those things, too, where. The community, the Mormon community is actually incredibly uplifting for the most part. The, mm-hmm. the reason I didn't fit in is because I just felt so much guilt because I wasn't following in, in believing in the aspects of it. But the people were all really, really kind for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's changed, I feel like, in a, lo- a little bit in the past few years because there's become more of a political aspect to being a Christian that didn't used to be there. Like, I don't remember ever knowing anything about politics, even though my dad is a very political guy. I just remember going to church and being like, love one another, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. the way that I think it kind of started with the, uh, the gay marriage thing, that's the first inkling of politics seeping into the you know and it was there i'm not saying it wasn't there the whole time mm-hmm. i'm just saying it was more prominent then because it that that's when they're like we have to preserve the sanctity of marriage uh in in really what it was is homophobia just incarnate yeah just a, a different way to be homophobic but mm-hmm. not say it Exactly. And I, I, I agree with you when I, when you said like for the most part, they're super nice. And like, when I was, when I was going to Catholic church, I never had an experience of being like, Oh, these, you know, these Catholics are assholes. But again, why would I, if I was in, mm-hmm. if you're a, somebody coming from the outside, it might've been different, but my experience was always on an individual basis. People are nice and good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think George Carlin said it, people individually are good. It's when you get them in a group, then you're like, oh, this is not so good, you know? And I, I feel like it's, you get those, the things from on high of, oh, we don't like, we don't uh, like gay marriage, even though the Bible doesn't really say anything about it, but it's like, mm-hmm. that's our belief now. And we have to, you know, we're insecure with ourselves and two guys kissing. So now it's become a whole thing. Right. And it's, it's just, and, and it's usually driven by somebody that has some sort of predetermined you know feeling so they feel very threatened by mm-hmm. homosexuality becoming more mainstream because they're they have something deep down buried in them that they they don't want to confront so mm-hmm. they become very defensive of it it's the same way when you know you attack anybody about something that there is like their true weakness you know we're as as comics and, and performers and especially being on the internet there's definitely things that i'm defensive about and things that I'm not. So if like they come at me about being like fat or anything like that, I'm like, okay, well, I am fat. So like, that's not a thing that's going to get me. Nobody but, knows more than you. And nobody knows more than me. Like, yes. oh, you're fat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like N- nailed it, buddy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you. So stuff like that. But when there's, you know, things that are more personal to me, mm-hmm. uh, things that are things that I can't control. Like I know what, why I'm fat. I, I don't eat well. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, it doesn't, and it doesn't bother me the way some things like, uh, I don't know, I get attacked a lot for, you know, just people not liking my comedy and like, 
as a comic, you always feel like a fraud. I feel like any good comic feels like they're a fraud most mm-hmm. of the time. And so when someone comes at me, I'm like, yeah, these are the same thoughts I have, eh? So uh, <laughs> stop stop saying that because it makes me feel like you're right because I do feel like a fraud most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I had to this conversation with Trey Crowder on a previous episode, and we we were saying, you know, he's not a he's not even a fat guy, but you get those. You're fat. You're dumb. You're stupid. You sound southern or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's whatever. But then somebody's like, you stole that joke. Yes, and that's the thing. <sighs> That's a thing where it's like that's a that's a sin. We're t- you know cardinal sin of yeah, in comedy you don't steal anything and and that even if you're accused of having a parallel thought you stole this from somebody. Mm-hmm. That's the shit gets that gets under my skin. That's that's one that's such a good example because like that's why I have like recordings of all my sets even though I don't always go back and listen to them. Mm-hmm. I have enough recordings that I can go. Like there, there was an SNL sketch that had a joke that was similar to a joke that I was doing and, mm-hmm. and it came out around the same time. And it was just uh, I had a joke about bestiality and there was a, a chihuahua and I made the chihuahua the top. And then mm-hmm. SNL did a similar thing where, you know, it was a uh, Edie Bryant and she said, like, the chihuahua is the top. And I'm like. Well, I know, like, I did this on stage at the Funny Stop this day, three weeks before that sketch came out. So if anybody mm-hmm. ever calls me on it, I have the receipts. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're just like, so, I don't know, you're, you're in your head about things like that. Yeah, you, the last thing you want to be accused of is a unoriginal and stealing something, yeah. you know? But so, but you, there are comics in there are comics that are so not original, like they're completely unoriginal, and mm-hmm. people love them. And I don't know how you can feel that way as a comic. Yeah. Like, like I can't. And and I guess you know they're getting a lot of attention a lot of times, but it's like the most base garbage comedy. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, how how are people not past this yet? Like, I don't like the videos where it's like your teacher be like whatever <laughs> yeah, like those yeah. those videos do nothing for me now i understand they're more made for children but as things go like it's not uh it's it's you see more and more people getting into this mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, and i don't know what it what it would be and it, the thing is i think it would go back to like you know somebody stealing a joke the average person doesn't care if a joke is stolen or not right exactly they just want to laugh they just want to and then they want to share it for their friends and now they're they're funny Mm -hmm. they didn't do anything but they showed this video to their friend and now they're funny because they thought it was funny that's like that's the frustrating part is when you know you could see a dude doing the most base comedy and people are just eating it up and then you you go up after that person and your original thoughts are like man we don't like uh you know or or you'll do something and you'll do just as well or better but they don't remember you like they'll be like oh you know i don't uh like i really love that joke and then like you're you're nothing to them again like you give them a great original uh performance and then they go yeah but this person is trendy so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with the trendy person yeah yeah and that's that frustrating part because you you strive to be a, I'll do air quotes, an artist. You want to be somebody that's worth yes. the shit, but then you see somebody else doing a reworked street joke and oh, you're like, 
you know, and people are loving it. And then you just want to be like, stop being stupid. <laughs> but, but the thing is, people are going to like what they like. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's all frustrating. It, it's so frustrating. And it's so like, like, it's, it's one of those things where you just got to you got to let it roll off because otherwise it will just burn you down and you won't ever really be able to feel good about things again. So you got to just you just got to let go. Eh, nothing I can do about that. All I can do yeah. is just keep plugging away putting out your fifth album, hoping you can beat Bo Burnham just for <laughs> one day. Well, let, let's jump back into, you know, so you, you were born into Mormonism, right? Yes. So how was that experience? Did you, you know, it's probably you weren't like, oh, isn't Mormonism weird? You were, you're like, oh, this is the norm, right? Yeah, it's absolutely the norm. And so like, and like I said, because of the indoctr- indoctrination and the propaganda, you feel a little bit special too, because you feel like, yeah, there's Christians and there's Catholics and there, there, but like we're above them on our, our level of belief because we have more knowledge because you know of the way that the church is structured and the way they teach you about it. So you 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 have a sense of pride of be, being Mormon, of being a little bit different, and being in a religion that's a little more strict than other religions, mm-hmm. and that justifies some of that those things that you miss out on yeah did you do you have any insights in hindsight of man that was just weird overall with your experience of well the big one for me is is my mormon mission so i Mm -hmm. I went and like that's so like from the time you're a kid they are just hyping up how important it is for young men to go on a mission and it's a two-year mission and you're gone and you don't really contact your family you can write letters you can call them on the phone twice a year. And and that's like a thing that every, every man does. In, in the every religion. man does that, uh, every worthy male. So there, there's a lot of uh, emphasis placed on the, the worthiness where, you, you know, you have to be a good Mormon uh, in good standing to go. But uh, so my older brothers both did it and then I did it. And what I realized, and this is something I kind of only realized recently, is the whole reason they send you away for two years and have you is to disconnect you from everybody else that was in your life. Mm -hmm. So that in those two years, you really only have the church to rely on so that even when you, you get back, yeah, your friends are around a little bit, but everybody's moved on and you haven't. And it's, it's, it's definitely a way to isolate you and keep you from, continuing on whatever path you were on like I was I was a really bad student I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and all I was trying like I didn't want to go on a Mormon mission but I also like felt like I had no other option so I went on that and and because that was like the only goal that I had to achieve there was no focus for me to go into anything else and there was no reason to because I knew I was gonna have to put it on hold for two years Mm -hmm. so I didn't go to college I barely graduated from high school and I just had very little motivation to start or even figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I knew for two years, which when you're 19 years old, feels like an eternity, uh, I was going to be gone. Yeah. Well, that's when, you know, most other people are just getting started in things. Yeah. And so is it, does everybody take that at, at post high school? Is that the age usually? Yeah. Yeah. So th- they lowered the age to 18 because they were having a hard time getting anybody to go because in that one year 
from high school to, to 19, find other things. There was a lot yeah. of people find other things. And then, uh, so they lowered the age to 18, but I, I actually went, uh, when I was 20, I left because they made me wait a whole nother year because I didn't reach the worthiness, uh, plateau that they needed me to, because I, uh, had a girlfriend and we did some oral sex, which is a bad thing. Nice. Uh, yeah. what, what is, what makes you worthy? Uh, well, it's, it's a lot of, you, you know, no premarital sex, no, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol, no drugs or anything like that. And I, I didn't, I didn't do any of the alcohol or the drugs, but sex was definitely uh, yeah. a driving factor for me, man. That's crazy that you gave into your natural urges. I know. Right. Shame. Uh, how dare I, how, but, but they're not natural urges. They're Satan's urges is what they teach you. And, uh, so that's, yeah. you know, so you feel real guilty. And then that leads to a whole nother thing where like, you associate guilt and shame with sex and you develop some weird fetishes. Yeah. Well, and you know, peeing and pooping, that's not a devil's urge. That's just your body urge. But the sex thing over here, that's the devil. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they have their way of uh, manipulating it all to, to, to make you not want to give in or make you feel bad if you do give in. Mm-hmm. So how, if you did, you know, drug sex and alcohol and all that stuff, is there like, oh, now you're on six months probation before you go? Or is it just some guy being like, okay, you're good? Uh, yeah, it was kind of like that. Like I, I had to, I was on a year long wait because of the, the oral sex. Mm-hmm. And so it made it so very difficult. In, and then everybody in my congregation's like, why? And, and, that, and that's when the community aspect that was so nice turns on you because then you're part of the community that's not looked on favorably. Because they're like, well, why didn't you leave yet? Why is it, you know, we know that you turned 19 yeah, in grandma, February. Why aren't you going? Yeah, what's what's the holdup? And like, I wasn't in college. I was around. I was just working for a bunch of dumb jobs and like nothing, you know. Not, so like they all knew I had done something, but they didn't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, sexual fetishes and stuff. Is that common in mormonism i don't I, well you know. um, yeah honestly because because it's so taboo and everything like that the most pornography viewed on the inter- internet is in uh utah where there's mm-hmm. the most mormons because so they're there you because it's so taboo i mean and i'm not into anything like super crazy i, I don't want anyone yeah. to poop on me or anything like that but because like just seeing a boob mm-hmm. was a sin uh it made it extra like titillating yeah good good word and i chose that word on purpose (laughs) yeah it's where when it's forbidden fruit uh you're like it makes it even better yeah exactly um so you you go on the 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 mission trip Mm -hmm. you know how did how did that go so that was uh crazy because um i was good for a year like for a full year i was like a real good missionary and it's the most depressed i've ever been because it was where'd you go and what'd you do by the way i was in the philippines and we were proselyting like we were trying to i was in Quezon city like it's the concrete jungle and we're trying to convert people Mm -hmm. to join the mormon church that was our goal we're not there to just like we did a little bit of service stuff but it was there we were there to completely like get you to join the church yeah. Now, and you said Philippines, right? Yeah. What What are they? Do they? I'm dumb. Do they speak Philip 
Philippines. Uh, no, uh, it's a uh, Tagalog, but they have a ton of different dialects. But Tagalog okay. is their uh, national language. But then there's Cebuano and Ilocano, and like there's uh, Visaya. There's all these different uh, dialects. But I was in uh, an area where they spoke Tagalog. So, and, and the, were you given any training? Yeah, there's actually a really long training process where like you spend two months uh, in Utah in Provo doing like an intensive course where you're learning about the church, but you're also learning a foreign language. So, uh, you know, I didn't know anything before, but I, once Mm -hmm. I, you know, by the time I left, they call it the missionary training center, the MTC, by the time I left the MTC, I was enough, knew enough Tagalog that I could have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I couldn't really understand them because they spoke so much faster than I was used to. But yeah. I, I could speak and they could understand me. Okay. Uh, so but then I, w- after a few months, I picked up and like within a year, I was very good. Like I was a very good, I picked up the language a lot because I didn't mm-hmm. like not knowing how to express myself. And I didn't like uh, people not knowing what I was trying to say. So I worked really hard at the language uh, to, because I didn't like that barrier being there. Mm-hmm. That That's something I wish I would have done in high school. There were, I did Spanish and they were like, you know, for the summer you could go to Spain and but you're only allowed to speak Spanish and then people would come back and kind of forget how to s- speak English. I wish I would yeah. have immersed myself into that kind of thing. But uh, you you said it was the most depressed you've ever been. Yeah, like I was literally on the verge of committing suicide because I was being a good missionary. I'm like, why is this not working? Why is mm-hmm. this that all the things that they're telling me are the things that are supposed to make me happy and closer to God are making me want to not exist anymore? Because mm-hmm. it turns out uh, scriptures don't help with mental wellness, really. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a lot of wishing and praying, but it's not a lot of actual uh, treatment for for someone that is depressed. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I started like I just made a decision that I was like, you know, I'm going to kind of have some fun. So I broke little rules at first because there there's so many rules. You can't watch TV. You can't listen to like secular music. You can't do any of that stuff. And so first thing I did that was kind of off, you know, we, me and uh, another missionary that was kind of in the same boat as me, we went and saw a movie in the theaters mm-hmm. and you weren't supposed to do that. And it was the most fun. It was so, we saw the 2003 Hulk or 2004, whatever. I think it was 2003. Yeah. There's with one uh, with Eric Norton. Bana. Okay. The other, yeah. And like looking back on it, I'm like, man, that's a trash movie. But cause I hadn't seen a movie in a year. I'm like, yeah, the best movie I've ever seen. Again, titillating. Now, yes. don't go see the Hulk. So yes. this is great. So uh, so that, and then we saw Matrix Reloaded, and then we blabbed about it and got in trouble. And then, like, I kind of had this up and down career, but I also, like, I, I became comfortable lying about what I was doing during the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, then I started, like, I'm like, I'm going to show you guys that I'm working, so you're going to think I'm working. Uh, it's basically social media before social media was a thing, <laughs> where I'm showing them one thing, but I'm doing another. And so yeah. I, I made the mission president who was like the guy in charge think that I was like killing it as a missionary to the point where I got to be in charge of a lot of missionaries but then I also was doing a lot of other stuff like I I drank alcohol for the first time while I was a Mormon missionary uh I was like I got I bought a phone that I wasn't supposed to have I was texting girls going out with them doing Mm -hmm. you know uh and started I only had sex with one girl but there was a lot of other stuff going on uh that was pretty fun and uh, did you did you find that other people were doing stuff that you were doing too? Yeah, and it, it kind of became this whole network. Like I was 
kind of the like ringleader of this whole like bad missionary. You need a uh, phone. You, you became the guy in prison that was like, you need a phone. I get you a phone. <laughs> like exactly. Was- like I was that guy, and I was the one that like, if if they needed an alibi, they call me. If they needed uh to know how to get away with something, they they call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it eventually all came crashing down. And then I I took the fall. I was like a, a like I didn't rat anybody out. I was mm-hmm. just like this was me. Nobody else was a part of this. They were all telling me not to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I I. I was a good, uh, you know, I feel like a good leader in that way where I wasn't going to roll over on them. What, what are you, 21, 22? Yep, 20, 21 when I got in like the big trouble mm-hmm. uh, and then 22 when I got home. So I got and sent how- home a week early. I was supposed to be there for two years. And because of the stuff that I did and like had sex with a girl while I was a, a missionary, that's that's a big no-no. So I got excommunicated and sent home one week early. And then that's one of those things where you, you get home and they're like, we thought you're coming home next week. And that's that, that community thing. And then they notice like, I'm not uh, doing certain things at church that I would normally be doing as a return missionary. So there's a lot of uh, people. T- and like, I was willing to tell them, I would, I wanted to tell my story. I love my story. I still love this story. I tell it all the time on podcasts, uh, but I wasn't supposed to talk about it with church members. And uh, it was, why is that so they would be like oh maybe i could do that too or what, yeah, because what? uh they'd be like oh that's cool that sounds like <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun uh yeah. i think but i think really it's because you're supposed to have a shame for it like you're supposed mm-hmm. to be ashamed of it and i wasn't ashamed of it and i wanted to you know kind of brag about what i'd done because i was feeling uh pretty like that that was when i was feeling good and mm-hmm. you know that there might be some it wasn't the healthiest way to express that and i've, I've since found a, a much better balance but it, at least i felt like myself mm-hmm. and i felt uh empowered and like i finally had control of my life now the 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 girls you're talking to and texting are they mormons as well or are they not they are outside they're not they're and yeah. like in the philippines if you're an american guy and i was also young and thinner and everything like that so i, I was like you, you could just go talk to a girl and if you knew how to speak their language they'd be like mind blown Mm -hmm. and they're thinking that they might be able to find a husband that's going to take them to america and that's why i like i kind of set that boundary where like the one girl that i had sex with she knew what it was just like hey i i've never had sex i want to have sex i'm not Mm going to love you or marry you or anything like that and she's like okay i understand that and so uh but you know i i I didn't want to string people along and make them think that i was trying i would i just wanted to have fun i treated it like college for other people where you know you're you're having fun you're partying you're hooking up and it's, it's a good time so t- t- tell me about the stuff you got caught doing and then tell me about the big oh this is it okay so the the way it ramped up was we would go to bars and like a lot of the bar and then we go to like strip clubs and and so that we got we, we met a bunch of girls at those places and th- those were the kind of girls we were looking for where they mm-hmm. were just like hey we're going to come and hang out. We'll get naked. Uh, we'll drink some alcohol. We'll have a good time. And we had some girls over to our apartment and uh, they ended up like, like we were having a great time, but we were also like four dudes living in a crappy Philippines apartment. And the, the girls like cleaned the place for us. And that was like actually really nice because <laughs> we had like, we had a room that was just flooded because the drain was plugged and like, you know being 20 year old dudes were like well i guess it just flooded oh well yeah 
Uh, and they just walked over and like took the piece of garbage that was covering the drain off of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't that hard to do at all. Uh, so we were gross. But uh, we so we did that. And uh, the landlord is the one that actually ratted us out. Okay. So the landlord called the, the guy in charge, the mission president. And he's like, hey, there were girls here today. Uh, and so that's when he calls me and I'm like half drunk and he's like, what's going on? And I was just like, oh yeah, I had some girls over. It was all me. And I took the whole blame for it. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's, what's happened to your roommate since then? Have you had any contact with them? Uh, so I, I've kept in touch with a few of them. Uh, a couple of them joined like the Marines and they're, they're you know, they're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, one buddy is out in uh, Utah and he's got, you know, he's, got three kids and like a beautiful life, good business and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, they're, they're, they're out living their life, doing their things, yeah. but they've all left it. Like the, the ones that I was friends with, they've all left the church. Mm -hmm. What What's the, what would you say is the rate of people that go on that mission trip trip and then leave? Uh, I would say it's probably about 40%, uh, yeah. but I think it might even be higher now. Man, that's so crazy. They're having a hard time keeping people in the church because information is so much more widely available. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's not, people, people aren't buying in the way they used to. Cities have gotten so much better in the past two decades now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the, you get caught, they send you back home and, and, and what do they, what do they say then? Um, I mean, my parents are devastated Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're trying to send me through like the, the, their version of like church rehab to get me back into it so that you know they never want to lose you they'll, they'll excommunicate you but then they're going to try and bring you back it's yeah. not like a complete like we're never going to talk to you again they're just like you need to feel this shame for a while and then eventually we'll bring you back and when that happened that's when i started doing stand-up comedy and mm -hmm. so i was going through the motions at church because i still live with my parents and i went through all the motions i actually got rebaptized again so i'm technically a member of the church again but I never like once I moved out of my parents' house, I never went back. So like I spent a year working the road, doing comedy uh, and just developing that career and, and making that a life for me. And then uh, once I, I moved out of my parents' house, I never went mm -hmm. back and have been pretty open with them about my non-belief in, in God and stuff like that. How do, are they still Mormon? Yeah, they're still Mormon and they're, they're, they're very supportive and they're good people. Uh, you know, they, they got their flaws. I have my flaws, but we, we get along. And your brothers are too. Uh, my only, my oldest brother is still Mormon. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I have, there's five kids in my family and all of us, except my oldest brother have left the church. Do you guys do, a, this is a dumb question. Cause I could have just looked it up, but do you guys do like a ho holiday type stuff? Like if you guys all get together, yeah, is it a Mormon type thing or, I mean, it's, it's similar to anything like. I'll, we'll we'll allow them to like pray and stuff like that allow them but yeah. like <laughs> like there's praying Proceed. and stuff like that yeah. and like you know my my dad will give his speech about the importance of the birth of jesus or you know the resurrection or whatever but mm -hmm. we're all just kind of sitting there like yeah come on hurry up we just want to eat yeah um and you know so you're you're no longer mormon have you had any big insights i know you just you said one earlier but is there any big takeaways that you've had i mean it's just how how similar it is to everybody else where they're they're just complete you know it it's really more of a social thing mm -hmm. 
that's for a lot of people like that's what religion is it's it's social it's people like what are they going to think if i don't show up or what are, you know mm-hmm. or do i get to judge people if i go to this it makes me feel better and that that's kind of like my big takeaway from growing up in in a religion and seeing why people stick with it and it's really uh, a lot of those aspects and then a lot of fear too like i think there's a lot of people that are just afraid mm-hmm. of either breaking away or of consequences because they they think there might be something after they die and it's it's uh i, I feel very free not buying into that stuff anymore and just mm-hmm. wanting to be a good person because i like being a good person yeah that, is that, that, is that your good. core belief is just be a good person or do you subscribe yeah. to anything now i mean i don't i don't really believe in anything other than just like be like golden rule treat yeah. people how you want to be treated that's why i get so like blown away by people like that d- don't like something but have to like attack it mm-hmm. you know whether it's a comedian or a radio show or a podcast or whatever where people go i don't like this i have to tell you why i hate it and it's just like yeah. i don't like there's so many options go find something that you do like go do go something that you enjoy that's fun yeah. rather than uh, there were trolls before the internet like yeah you know people protesting outside of things or whatever if you don't like it just just if it's not hurting anybody if it is the, a golden rule type thing then just leave people alone right i don't like country music and i'll get into some silly arguments about it with some of my friends from time to time but it's not like i'm going to try and stop them from enjoying country music and i'm not going to go on a cunt like i'm not going to troll a country music artist because and they're like no i'm just going to yeah. listen to the music that i like yeah yeah it's it's so bizarre how people will go out of their way to tell you that they don't like something right it's uh again why not just use your energy for something that you enjoy exactly um are, are there any like mormon comedians uh ryan hamilton oh yeah yeah that guy's huge yeah he's huge and he's hilarious uh bent washburn mm-hmm. uh, i feel like there's one other guy uh but i think bent is kind of out of it though but ryan yeah. is i mean the go-to i mean he mm-hmm. and he's one of the funniest dudes out there too yeah uh well and you were talking i wanted to, i want to talk about this point of like it's a that the mission trip and all of it is a rewiring like they they brought you away from your family and it's and again that was only for two years but i found like when you you watch documentaries of cults and stuff like they all take you away from your family unless your family wants to join right like and in not, this case the family's already part of it and they're ble- yeah it's their blessing that they're you 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 know they're taking you, you away from your family but they're they're doing it in a way that it's like your family gives the blessing so you're like oh this is this is gonna actually make me closer with my family when in actuality it's driven like a wedge between me and my family that mm-hmm. has never been the same because yeah. I like, and it just, and, and with my friends from like high school and stuff like that, like I, they, they all moved on and grew up and I, I completely felt uh, just like completely disassociated with them when mm-hmm. I got back. Yeah. It's all c- keep you away from, you know, being secular and keep you in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any uh, big, like weird rules that you that they told you besides no tv no inter- like did you all, what is one. it like a, a great one it, so this like, is only while you're a missionary yeah but while you're a missionary you're not supposed to go in water because they tell you satan controls 
water. So you're not supposed to, and more specifically the sea, but they say don't go into any body of water, no pools, anything, because Satan has a domain over those places, which is fucking hilarious. Like, like he's Poseidon. <laughs> and I, I uh, remember one of the things that we did that got us into trouble. Like when I told him about it, like we went to a local water park uh, and it wasn't even like, a, it was like a hotel that had like a water slide and a pool and we were all swimming and having a good time. And like when they found out about that, like they were almost as upset about that as they were about me, like losing my virginity and like having actual sex. Yeah. It is very odd how they'll be like, you know, uh, a cannonball into a pool is the equivalent of a blowjob. Right. Yeah. Cause they're like, like the you're jumping into rate. Satan's uh, grasp basically. Yeah. That's so, but can you take, they just bath? don't want you to get wet either way. Yeah. If you, if you take a shower or whatever, you might be clean and then you could have sex with somebody. Right. No. Uh, any other rules before we wrap up? Cause it's so, it, there's so much more that we could talk about, but I, I mean, yeah, I could, I could keep going. Uh, no rated R movies. There's the word of wisdom, which is like no coffee, caffeine. That one gets talked about a lot. There's Why the, is that? Like uh, cause caffeine. it was, it was something that they put in place because uh, the founder's wife was complaining uh, about things like about uh, guys chewing tobacco and spitting it all over the walls and so he came up with something to kind of placate her that's so how about just make the rule don't spit the tobacco yeah. on the wall like yeah, get like a canister don't be like an that. animal like right. that's that's just a rule in any should be in yeah. anything but uh let's let's plug your stuff one more time and then we'll get out of here uh the album is bam bam it's available on itunes amazon Spotify, uh, Pandora, uh, you know, give it, you know, give it a listen, check it out. Uh, got a bunch of other stuff out there. Then there's my podcast, the Bill Squire show available on iTunes and not iTunes, uh, Apple podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. And is YouTube. that out once or twice a week, once a week for that. And then there's okay. the Alan Cox show, which uh, I do with Alan Cox and Mary Santora, who's also been on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, weekdays two to six 30 uh, on WMMS in Cleveland, but also on iHeartRadio. You can listen live mm-hmm. there, or you can watch on YouTube live. No shortage of Bill Squire. So nope, go I, find I a lot of content out. Yeah, you five. You got four other albums, so maybe start at the beginning and listen all the way through because yeah. you you do have uh, some bits about being a Mormon, a former Mormon. You know. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for being on the show, dude. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah.